Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. God bless you. It is so good to have you with us on this Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Thank you for making Life Church a part of your Easter experience today. Amen. I'm excited. God is good. If you're a guest here today, thanks for coming. My name is Buddy Thompson. I'm the senior pastor. Why don't we welcome all of our guests that are with us. See, you have proven by being here with us today, you're smarter than the average person. So we're just, we're just glad to have you with us today. Amen. Let's go to Mark chapter 16, verse 1. I'm going to jump right into the Bible today. Amen. I do want to mention, uh, in two more weeks, we have a marriage seminar, marriage retreat right here at the church, our Renew Marriage Seminar. It's coming up April 21 and 22, Friday night and Saturday. We'd love to have you here if you're married or if you're engaged, come on out and be a part of it with us. Amen. Somebody asked me in the first service, they said, I want to come, but my significant other says that those things are only good for people whose marriages are falling apart. No, it's like this, right? If you have a car, you got to do routine maintenance. Got to change the oil. Got to check the tires, right? Got to do all that because if you don't, your stuff will be broke down on the side of the road. Amen. Amen. A marriage seminar, it's just routine maintenance for a couple that wants to have their marriage just get a little bit better than it was before. So I hope you'll join us. You don't have to be a member to come, so come on out. Be with us. Mark 16, verse 1. It says, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. And very early on, Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But surprise, surprise. As they arrived, they looked up and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. And when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and the women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look, amen. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. Amen. I want to preach on this subject today, the better life. The better life. Now, this past week was the Passion Week, the week that commemorates the last week of Jesus leading up to his death on the cross. We know that Friday was Good Friday, the day that we recognize his death on the cross. But hallelujah for Sunday. Amen. Today, we celebrate the fact that he is risen. Now, there were a lot of things that took place that week leading up to his death and resurrection, but the night before Jesus Christ was crucified, he made a strange statement that I'm not sure the guys there fully understood, 
what he meant when he said it. And it was in John chapter 14, verse 19. I want to show it to you. This is what Jesus said to them. He said, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. But notice this. He said, because I live, you also will live. Now, what in the world did he mean? Because I live, you will also live. They're probably thinking, well, we're already alive, right? We're breathing. We're standing here. What does he mean? You also will live. The Message Bible said it this way. He said, you're about to come alive. Okay. I like that. You're about to come alive. And see, that's what Easter really is all about anyway. Because he lives, you and I will also live. Right? Amen. Because he's alive, we can also be alive. Not just breath in our bodies, but I'm talking about eternal life within us. Not just a good life, but a better life. Easter really is all about coming alive. And the reason the death of Jesus was so powerful was because he didn't just die, but he was resurrected, amen? And the reason he was able to do that was because he was the Son of God. And Jesus, by the way, he proved that he was who he said he was. He was God robed in the flesh, but he allowed them to kill him on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins, not for his sins. He was without sin, but for our sins. He was buried in the ground for three days, and then when he was resurrected back to life, he proved who he said he was. Now, most people in America, most of you in this room, right, you have heard some version of that Easter story that I shared with you. Most people in our country can identify with the Easter story. Whether they even believe it or not, we all kind of know that story. But a lot of people don't know as... Paul Harvey would say, and I date myself when I mention Paul Harvey, right? As Paul Harvey would have said, the rest of the story. The part of the story that involves you and me and the better life that is available to us because of Easter. 2 Corinthians 5 and 15 says this, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. And instead they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. You see, he died so that not only would you receive his new life, but they would not just live for ourselves, right? And living for ourselves, as good as that seems from time to time, folks, it's not the best life that you and I can have. What am I talking about? John 10 and 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But what did Jesus say? I have come that they might have life and that they might have it, what? More abundantly. Amen. See, Jesus says, I didn't just come so that you can live, but so that you can have life and life more abundantly. Not just a good life, a better life. Hallelujah. Now, here in America, we know about the good life. In fact, probably you're living the good life. You might not think so, but if you've got a home, and if you've got a family, come on, I just came back from another country, and I could tell you we in America are living the good life, right? You want to know how I know it's a good life? We started off at 9 o'clock with the heat on, but hallelujah for air conditioning, amen, because it got hot up in here quick, amen. That's part of the good life. You got food in your cupboards? Come on, and if you don't, 
Chick-fil-A is open tomorrow. Glory be to God. Amen. Right? You're living a good life. You probably are in pretty good health. You probably say, you know, overall I've had it pretty good. Or at least I've had it pretty good up to this point. And you'd be right. Because compared to the rest of the world, we've got it really good here in America. You're living the good life. But what if there was more? What if there more, was more than just shoes on your feet, food in the cupboard, and a car to drive? What if there was more than just going to school and graduating and then getting a job and fast forward 50 years later, you're at the end and you look back on what may or may not have been a good, what if there was more? What if God has intended more for you and I than just a good life? But he has something far greater planned. See, wouldn't you want to know about that? Wouldn't you want to hear about that? Of course you would. And so would I. But we often, hear me folks, we often settle for less because we don't realize that there's something better. Now, when I was a baby, my mama used to raise me on milk and Gerber baby food. Right? How many of y'all know Gerber baby food? Right out of the jar. Man, I thought it was great. You know why? I didn't know any better. Right? I mean, I was content. Man, you know, mashed up spinach. Man, that's a little bit kind of like cruelty to children, amen? Right? You know, crushed carrots, butter, uh, you know, I mean, just all this kind of stuff, right? All this crazy. But later on in life, I learned about beef brisket. <laughs> Woo! I learned about barbecued chicken. Beans and cornbread, right? Later in life, I discovered Krispy Kreme. Dark roast coffee, right? Amen. See, would I ever eat Gerber food out of a jar again? Yes, if I'm starving to death. But see, I don't have to settle for baby food. Because I learned about something better. You don't just have to settle for a good life. I'm here to tell you, Easter made a better life, an abundant life, possible for you and I today. Amen. And I believe that God brought you here today, not just to hear the same old Easter story that you hear every year, but to remind some of us, and maybe tell some of us for the first time, that what He did on Easter, come on, He promised you a better life. And folks, we need a better life. Because a lot of people, they look like they got it together on the outside, right? But man, how many of y'all know people's lives are messed up? People, for, for example, people are exhausted. People are exhausted. They're worn out. People say stuff like, I'm tired all the time. I can't keep up the pace. I'm overloaded. When I get home, I'm, I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. Then there's the next great feeling that comes along. Emptiness. You know, I, I don't think I've got another thing in me. I can't stretch myself any further. I'm just empty inside. And in those moments, people are thinking, if this life is so good, how come I feel so unsatisfied? If this life is so good, why don't I feel more meaning to life? What is the meaning of all this? Is it really just about getting more and having more and accomplishing more? And if it's so good, why don't I feel better? I'm going to tell you why. God's got a better life for every one of us. And I want to share with you three things about the better life that Easter gives us. Are you ready? Because of Easter, number one, we can live a life of purpose. 
a life of purpose. Not just breathing, not just existing, but a life of purpose. Because, folks, the greatest tragedy in life is not when you die. The greatest tragedy is to go through life without ever knowing your purpose. Without, without ever really figuring out why God put you here to begin with. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that they live their entire lives never knowing their true purpose, never knowing why God put them here on earth. Amen? Now, Pastor Rick Warren, he wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. Some of you, I'm sure, have read it. That book has sold over 50 million copies, and it's been translated into 130 different languages. Why in the world was that book so successful? It's real easy. People want to know why they're here. People want a purpose bigger than just breathing and one day no longer being here. And hear me, Christ's death on the cross gives us a life of purpose. The good life, the American dream, all that stuff, it's good. But hear me, folks, it's not good enough. Looking good, feeling good, having nice things, that's not enough to make you happy in the long run. Because it takes more than money. It takes more than, than, than popularity. It takes more than those things to have a life of significance. See, a lot of people confuse a full life or a busy life with a meaningful life. Hear me, man. Busy and meaningful are not the same thing. Come on, having a full schedule is not the same thing as having a fulfilled life. You need purpose. And by the way, Whenever I would hear anybody talking about this, you need purpose, you need to figure out your purpose. As a young man, I used to get, man, I, I used to get anxious. I don't know. He's, I need Everybody in this room has their purpose. They know what they're doing. I don't even know where I'm going to be working next week. I don't know who I'm going to marry. Who am I going to marry? I didn't even have a girlfriend, amen? I didn't know. And I, I would just get all worked up. What's my purpose? What's my call? I just want to tell you right now, if you're there, relax. It's all right. Take a breath. It's a journey, not a marathon, amen, not a sprint, right? You just got to let God reveal it day by day, inch by inch, step by step, amen? All my friends was getting married. I didn't even have a girlfriend. Oh, hallelujah, look at us. Will you be in my wedding? Yeah. Man, I wore so many ugly tuxedos before I got to put my own ugly tuxedo on. Amen. You got to find your purpose. So you know what we do? We search for meaning through all kinds of stuff, don't we? Hobbies, sports, travel, relationships, food. All this stuff is good, but folks, it doesn't last. You've got to find your purpose. And there's only one place to find it. From the God that created you. Christ who gives meaning to your life. Hear me, you were made by God. You didn't make yourself. And guess what? You're important to Him. That's why you're here. Amen? He made you for a purpose. To you understand you were made by God and for God. Life's not going to make a whole lot of sense. And until you understand the purpose He put you on earth for, you can't step up from the good life to the better life. Let's go to the scripture again. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. Notice, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I love it. Easter's connected to everything. And because of that, what's it say? Now we live with great expectation. 
Verse 4, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Hallelujah. I'm talking about a better life. The Bible says because Jesus was raised from the dead, that's what Easter's all about, we now live with a great expectation. We now have a priceless inheritance. We have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. Verse 3 said, it is by His great mercy that we've been born again. Folks, the better life is not just something tacked onto your existing life. Come on, it's a brand new life, right? It's a brand new life. There's very little brand new in the world. I get tickled looking at all the teenagers and the young adults in their bell bottoms. I'm like, yeah, I already done that. That's so late 70s and early 80s. Amen. Come on. I, I, I mean, I remember. I see all the clothes and the colors on me. Oh, yeah, I remember that decade. Amen. See, everything comes back around, right? Your favorite movies, they probably already made another version of it. Right? You know, it's just amazing. Everything just gets cycled back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But you know what God says? I'm not going to give you a recycled life. I'm not going to give you a 1978 bell-bottom version of yourself. I'm giving you a brand new, better life. Hallelujah. And see, that's the starting point. When God says, I'm going to give you a chance to start over. I enjoy playing golf, but I'm not very good at it. Matter of fact, let me just tell the truth. I'm not good at it at all. Let me really tell the truth. I'm bad <laughs> at golf. How many golfers are in the house? Go ahead and raise your hand. That's all right. Amen. You're in good company. I can assure you you're better than I am. Amen. Here's what I know. You can't be good at golf if you only play one or two times a year, right? But there's something in golf that all golf hackers like me know about. And it's something called a mulligan. Any of the golfers know? Go ahead. Raise your hand. It's all right. I know you take a few. Here's what a mulligan is. By the way, mulligans don't exist in real golf. But in the world of golf that I live in, we, we, we love mulligans. Amen. Here's what a mulligan is. A mulligan means when you take a bad shot from the tee box, that's when you go up there and you put the little tee in the ground, put the ball, you got your big club, the driver. When you take a bad, now you can already see why I'm not good, right? I have, I have, I, I can't. The hips are locked. I just can't. I, I know what I'm doing. I just can't fix it. But anyway, when you take a bad shot, as soon as you realize it's a terrible shot, you go, Mulligan! <laughs> and guess what the unwritten rule is? You get a do-over. You pull another ball out of your pocket. You stick it back down. You kind of, you know, shake yourself a little bit. You realign your feet because you already hit it in the woods one time. You ain't going to do that again. And you take another, it's a do-over. Now, with the group of guys I play with, we play one mulligan per nine. Jordan, you, you mulligans, tell the truth. I know you do. Don't lie in the house of the Lord. Amen. You get one mulligan per nine, one do-over per nine. And you know what? We love it. It's cheating, but we love it. Because guess what? The mess-ups don't count against you. The shot that went in the woods... It don't count against you. The one that plopped in the water, it doesn't count against you. And do you know what's amazing about Easter? You get a life of mulligans. 
your entire life. The bad shots don't count. The mess-ups don't count. Jesus says, you know all that stupid stuff you've done? Come on, somebody. All that, those decisions that you made that you wish you had made differently? Is there anybody in the house that can identify? All the dumb decisions and bad mistakes and the sins and the faults and the fears, whatever you want to call them. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus, guess what he does? He wipes the slate clean. And he says, you get to start all over again. Get back on the tee box, boy. Come on. It's a brand new game. You get a life of purpose. He says, I'm going to wipe all that other stuff out, and you can begin again. Folks, that's not just a good life. That's a better life. That's an abundant life. And you know what else I need to say about it? You don't earn it. You can't work for it. It's a gift. See, there was a gap between you and God. So the Bible says, that, and the Bible says that there was one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And he said, I'm going to die for all the sins of the world. I'm going to pay for everything that's been done wrong. And I'm going to give you complete freedom. I'm going to give you a mulligan. And I want to let you start over brand new. I'm going to give you meaning. I'm going to give you purpose. See, because God says you weren't just made to live just for yourself. You were made to live for Him. And when you live for God, that gives you meaning gives you purpose, that gives you significance. So the better life that Easter gives us, number one, it's a life of purpose. Number two, I love this, it's a life filled with grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You know what Romans 3.23 says? Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. I love this next part. Yet God. Everybody say, yet God. Come on, yet God, but God, yet God. In His grace, He freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. Come on, somebody give God some glory right now. Woo! Hallelujah! Come on, that's not just a good life. That's a better life. That's a grace-filled life. That's a life full of forgiveness and mercy. We're free. And it comes by His grace. We're free to live a new life because of the new life full of grace. That Easter gives us. What is grace? I'll give you a real simple definition of grace. Grace is when God gives you what you need instead of what you deserve. Oh, come on. That's grace. Everything you have in your life that is good, it's because of God's grace. The next breath you take. Grace. The next drink of water. Grace. The next cup of dark roast coffee. Hallelujah for grace. <laughs> See, your whole life, you owe to the grace of God. Oh, I'm going to get emotional just thinking about it. Grace says, I love you. I forgive you, even though you can't earn it. Grace says, I'm not mad at you. 
Grace is God saying, I'm going to give you a second chance and a fifth chance and a 50th chance and a hundred chances. Grace says, I'm giving you that mulligan because my grace and mercy are new every morning. He sets us free. He sets us free from so many things, free from guilt. All the things you feel guilty about, because of Easter, he can wipe those things away. He sets you free from the fear of death. Now, I don't want to die anytime soon, right? I'm not, I'm not ready to go right now. But I'm also not afraid to die either. You want to know why? Because I've got a personal relationship with God. And I know that if I die, there's an inheritance waiting for me. When I take my last breath here, I take my first breath in glory. Amen. Oh, hallelujah to God. So I'm not afraid of that. He sets you free from hurts that other people cause you, the bad things they say about you, the pain they inflict on you. He sets you free. That's grace. He sets you free from the unrealistic expectations of other people. He sets you free to be yourself. He sets you free to grow and develop and become all that God meant for you to be. He sets you free from worry. He sets you free from anxiety. He sets you free from trying to always earn God's approval. So you can't really appreciate that freedom until you understand grace. See, because when Jesus said, he came, he said, I want to have a relationship with you. Not just checking off a bunch of, of religious checklists. I already did that when I went to the cross. That's grace. Folks, there's only two ways you can approach your life. And even your life living for the Lord. One way is to spend the rest of your life trying to earn God's favor. By your efforts, doing all the things that you think allow you to earn it. The other way is to enjoy God's approval. By accepting what Jesus has already done for you at the cross. Accept his gift. Now, obviously you do your best to serve him, right? We try to serve him from a pure heart. But you also learn to accept and appreciate his mercy and grace. By the way, the Bible tells us that the old system of trying to earn God's approval through good works, it does not work. Amen. By the way, that's why you got two sections in your Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant, amen? You can't earn God's approval by the things that you do. Look at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18. I'm going to show you. It spells it out real clearly. Look at this. He says, the old rule is now set aside. In other words, the old rule book, the old covenant, because why? It was weak and useless. Verse 19, he digs even deeper. He said, the law of Moses could not make anything perfect. But now a better hope has been given to us, and with this hope, we can come near to God. Hallelujah. Come on. You can't keep the rules good enough. You can't behave well enough to earn the favor of God. Thank God for a better hope. Amen. See, God canceled the Old Testament idea of you trying to earn your way into heaven because it didn't work. Heaven is perfect, but you and I are not. And that's, there's no way you're ever going to earn your way into heaven. That's why that better life is a free gift. By the way, it's free to us, but it's not a cheap gift. It costs Jesus his life. Hallelujah. It wasn't cheap. He had to die for it. But it's free for you and I because he paid the price of our salvation. There's a word for that. We don't hear this word very much anymore. We don't use it much. The word is redemption. To be redeemed means to have your freedom 
paid for by somebody else. And the reason we, one of the reasons we don't use this word very much anymore is because the word was common and it came out of the time and era of the slave trading years. In the slave trading years, there were people that would intentionally, good people who would intentionally buy slaves in order to set them free as soon as they bought them. And you know what they were called? Redeemers. They would redeem a slave. They would see somebody. They, these were people who believed slavery was wrong. It was evil. And they would do everything they could to purchase somebody so they could set them free. And they would buy that person's freedom and let them go. And the people were called redeemers. And the people that were set free were called the redeemed. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ came to redeem us. He paid the price with his blood to set you free from all the things that keep you trapped in bondage. Our habits, our addictions, our struggles. He gives us the better life of freedom and grace. See, this better life comes as a result of Easter. It's a life of purpose. It's a life filled with grace. And my final point, it's a life filled with peace. Ah, peace. John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift. And what an amazing gift this is, folks. Peace of mind and heart. And guess what? Nobody else can give this to you. The world can't give it to you. Look, he says, the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Oh, what a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, the older I get, I recognize that one of the greatest benefits of this better life of serving Jesus is the peace that I have found in my life. Amen. The older I get, the more I realize that the peace I get from Jesus is the greatest gift of all in my life. There's spiritual peace. There's emotional peace. There's relational peace. There's eternal peace. That's with God. There's internal peace. That's within yourself. And there is external peace. Peace that comes in my relationships with other people. Let me talk about those three before I close. First of all, peace with God. Everybody say peace. Spiritual peace. Eternal peace. That's the most important peace because it affects everything else. How many of you know that when your relationships are out of whack, when your intention uh, with your husband or your wife or with your coworkers? Nothing else seems to matter, right? When you have a strain or a conflict in a relationship, man, it just robs you of your peace, robs you of your joy, doesn't it? You know what I've learned? Nothing does that more than being out of sync with God. Because my peace with everything else flows out of my peace with God. Your peace with God affects your peace in every other area of life. There is a direct connection, hear me, between Jesus and your peace. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.18. I love this verse. All this is from God. Now notice, don't miss this. Through Christ, God made peace between us and himself. And notice what it produces. And God gave us the work of telling everyone about the peace we can have with him. Hallelujah. Jesus came to restore peace between us and God. It said it. Through Christ, God made peace between us and himself. Folks, God doesn't want you to live disconnected from Him. He made you to be connected to Him. So here's what the Bible says, Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Why? 
because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. There it is again, Easter. Hallelujah. Easter gives us everything because of what our Lord has done for us. That's the message of Easter, folks. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And peace with God doesn't come from what you do for yourself. Peace with God comes from what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's not what you and I do. You can't be a nice enough person to get peace with God. You can't do enough good works to get peace with God. Look at the next verse, verse 10 of Romans 5. It says, "Why I love this. While we were God's enemies, what did he do? He made us his friends. How? Through the death of his son. Surely now that we are his friends, he will save us through his son's life. So peace with God. The second kind of peace, and it's important too, peace with myself. It's another benefit of this better life. Peace within. Emotional peace. When I have peace with God, then I can get the peace of God inside of me. And have peace with myself. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God what? Rule in your heart. Notice it says in. It's inside you. It's internal. It's emotional. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's within us. The word for peace in the Bible is a Hebrew word called shalom. And shalom doesn't just mean the ending of hostilities. It's got a lot of different meanings in the Bible. It means happiness. It means well-being. It means harmony. It means serenity. It, it means a lot of different things. And whatever problem you have, hear me, God has a corresponding shalom. He has a corresponding peace. For those with a broken heart, He gives a comforting peace. For those with confusion, He gives directional peace. For those with shame, He gives a forgiving peace. When we have a worried heart, he gives us a confident peace. When you have peace with God, then you can have the peace of God. Philippians 4 and 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Notice, here's the connection. The peace of God will do what? Guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Please don't miss this connection. So many people are conflicted and they're tormented right now. I've never seen so many young people and young adults confused and conflicted. That's what I see right now. We need the peace of God. And hear me, I am all for counseling, for getting help. I believe it is a gift from God when you get to talk to a good Christian counselor that can help you navigate the scriptures and help get you on track. But hear me, notice that verse. It is the peace of God. It surpasses understanding that will guard your hearts and your mind. If you need peace in your heart and peace in your mind, get that peace with God. Get connected. And then there's the third kind of peace, peace with others. Peace with God, peace with myself, peace with others. Relational peace. External peace. Man, all of this better life is because of what Jesus did on the cross. You want to strengthen your marriage? Get closer to God. Because if you really get close to God and your spouse is growing closer to God, I'll throw that in there too. It pulls you closer to each other. You know, in case you haven't noticed, man, our world is not getting more peaceful. Have you picked up on that? <laughs> you know, it used to be you could disagree with somebody politically, religiously, even morally. You could disagree and you could agree to disagree and still be cordial to one another. A man, not in 2023. Now, if you disagree with somebody, the claws come out. I mean, man, they're ready to pounce on you, right? They start calling you names. They start putting you in categories. Come on. 
Uh, can I just throw this in? This is not. This is for free. This isn't about Easter, right? If we don't learn how to talk with people that we don't agree with, come on, we're going to implode as a society, right? Come on now. The peace of God will help you to walk in unity with others, especially with other believers. The peace of God can help you coexist with people that you don't agree with. It's still in the Bible. Blessed are the peacemakers. Right? Come on. See, it's all getting quiet up in here now, right? You know why? We like to fight. We like to be right. We like to get in our corners. But I'm just going to just tell you, that's not the will of God. We got to be unified as the children of God. They faced this in the New Testament. The Gentiles and Jews, man, they were always fighting and hating on each other. But look what happens. Look at the peace that can come in the better life. Ephesians 2, 13. I want to read it to you. It says, but now, what? You have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. Right? There it is again, Easter. For Christ Himself has brought peace to us. And notice what He does. When you get peace with God, he united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he what? He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Can I tell you the hostility and the hatred that we are seeing in 2023? It is not the will of God. I need a little help in this house. Amen. Come on. Politics now has gotten so ugly. Racism, and I thank God, I think we're doing better than we were a few years ago. But we can't allow this stuff to happen, folks. We are the body of Christ. And it ought to call us together, amen? Not just red people, black people, white people, brown people. Not just uh, Republicans or Democrats or independents. Come on, need a little help today. God calls us to get along. How did it happen? Verse 15, he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself, here's the key, it's in Jesus, one new people from the two groups. Red and yellow, black and white, we are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Verse 16, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means, here it is again, of his death on the cross. And I love the result. Our hostility toward each other was put to death. All right. Can I get a little pastoral on you right now? If you've got a lot of hostility with people, people of a certain group, people of a certain culture, people of a certain political party, people who you go to church with, people who is in your family, you might need to revisit the cross so God can help you. Amen? My pastor used to always tell me, he said, buddy, if you got a problem with Tim, and you got a problem with Mary, and you got a problem with Sally, and you got a problem with Joe, you've got a problem. We need to come together. And I think when Christians are fighting with each other over whatever, it's like putting the body of Jesus back on the cross again. Verse 15 and 16 says, He made us one people by His death on the cross. Amen? The cross gets us to embrace one another. 
the cross of Jesus helps, helps us eliminate all the drama from our lives and our relationships. When we have the Prince of Peace in our lives, then we're going to have peace with each other. Amen? Because of Easter, first I get peace with God. When I have peace with God, then I get peace of God on the inside and I have peace with myself. And when I start feeling good about me, then I can have peace with others around me. That's in the book. Amen? Praise team, would you come? Today we celebrate Easter, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And I'm so glad that he didn't just save my soul, but he offered me a better life. I just can't imagine what it would not, I can't imagine what life would be like without his grace and mercy that are new every morning. I can't imagine what life would be like without his peace that comforts me in moments of chaos and confusion. I can't imagine what it would be like. But the Apostle Paul reminded us of what the Easter message really was. 1 Corinthians 15 and 1, he said, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. Look at verse 2. It is this good news that saves you. If you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Verse 3 said, I pass on to you what was most important. Hear me. Paul said, I'm telling you what's most important. Are you ready? What has also been passed on to me. Here it is. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture says, verse 4, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture says. Paul said, this is the good news that saves you. Christ died, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead. See, today I want to thank you for being here on Easter Sunday. But today you've also come because I believe God wants to meet with you and help you live a better life. Some of you might have physical needs or financial struggles or personal issues. Hear me, God can make those things new in just a moment. Some of you are committed believers, but you feel like maybe there's something lacking in your walk with God. Or you feel like your Christian walk is empty and lifeless. He can change that today with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For some of you may not know God in a personal relationship at all. And He wants to work an amazing miracle in your life. The miracle of forgiveness of your sins. And putting you on a new path. When you accept Christ into your life and you repent and you begin that journey with Him. So today, I want you to stand all over this house if you can. I'm going to open this altar. And I'm going to give you an invitation to have Jesus work in your life. Now you can step out from where you are and come forward. You can begin a brand new experience with God. And you've got a choice. All of us have a choice. You can go through the rest of your life having a good life. Or you can decide, you know what, I'm going to get Jesus on board. And I'm going to live a better life. I'm going to live the best life. The abundant life. And here's what you need to remember. Whichever one you choose, you're still going to have problems. All right, I'm not going to do a bait and switch on you today because just because you come become a Christian doesn't mean all your problems go away. Life is a series of problems. But the difference is with God in your life, with Christ in your life, you have a purpose you didn't have before. You have grace for each day that you didn't have before. And you have peace for your mind and your heart that you didn't have before.
may have come into this Easter Sunday today a little tired, a little worn out. You might be on the edge. You might feel like giving up. Maybe you're in a relationship that you feel like giving up on. Or maybe, maybe you feel like giving up on your job. Or maybe you feel like giving up on school. Hear me. Don't do it. Don't give up. Don't quit. There's a better life. Amen. There's a better life. You just got to look up to God and give Jesus a chance. So right now, I'm going to open up this altar. If you'd like to step out from where you are, you may already be a believer. But you say, God, I want to tap into that better life. I don't want to just live a good life. I want to live the best life that you have for me. I want you to come forward. Or if you're not a believer and you want to make that first step and come down and say, Lord, I want the life that pastor's talking about. And begin that journey. And today, just begin to cry out to God. Confess your sin. Ask Him into your life. Ask Him to begin a new work in your life today. You can have that today. Amen. Let's worship with the praise team right now. As you seek God for that better life. In Jesus' name. Yes, I raise a hallelujah.
Thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.